0: This is the podcast that we're gonna discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self Storage Income.
1: Welcome back everybody to the Self Storage Income podcast this podcast is brought to you by live oak bank and janice international live oak bank is a partner that we've chosen to have as our sponsor because of the incredible work they do in the self-storage industry specifically they know storage their teams are very knowledgeable about the asset the asset class what you can and can't do how things are valued Super, super important to have those kinds of partners on your side, and Live Oak Bank can be those partners for you guys. We've had amazing feedback from so many people out there that have reached out to Live Oak and have had amazing experiences with them as well, which is so cool to hear, and one of the reasons why we've specifically chosen them to be our sponsor on this podcast. So link is in in the show notes. Go check out Live Oak Bank. Get at them get all your questions answered, figure out what direction you're going to go and get that financing and funding figured out. Our next sponsor, Janice International, amazing solutions for you guys, whether you're building a new facility or you're trying to upgrade an old facility, they have a lot of amazing options and solutions for self-storage owner and operators to bring their facilities up to today's standards and to also help you guys build some of the most state-of-the-art facilities that you could possibly be building right now that help meet that user expectation and that, that, that we all have really at this point where we want things on demand. We've got to have it right now. It's got to be easy, convenient, all that stuff. Janus International provides that. They provide great solutions and uh, valuable solutions. And they too, like Live Oak Bank, they have dec- decades of experience in the self-storage industry. Amazing people. Link is in the show notes. Get at them. And with that said, enjoy the episode. Welcome everybody to Self Storage Income. I am so
0: excited for this podcast because we have our special guest who's been on the podcast before and you guys absolutely loved it. So we got John Lindsay, my very good friend here with us today. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Good to
2: see you again. You too. You too. It's been a crazy year. uh, It has been to say the least. I, I think especially in the past month, people have finally realized that this is probably the craziest storage market we've ever seen
0: 100 percent. i mean like this is it's you know unlike anything we've ever seen in this industry yeah i mean i think
2: we can agree you know 2016 we started seeing this like uptick in development we see this wave riding for a couple years and You know, 2019, we're like, well, this has got to stop sometime. And then COVID was like, someone just injected steroids into the storage industry. And and we just like mashed the gas pedal overnight. And we saw this totally new side to the industry and this hockey stick growth overnight. And now it's just kind of like, well, it's here. We, you know, it's in front of us. Let's just see what we can do with it with this, you know, crazy year we got on our hands.
0: Yeah. I mean, cell storage went from being totally irrelevant all of a sudden hey this is a really good thing and a lot of people started looking at it to now it's one of it seems like the main food groups i mean you've got people oh, in office i think retail. an
2: understatement yeah i mean it's dude that i'm sure like you guys i got three calls this morning from people with 1031s wanting to dump 10 to 30 million into storage and that's just you know it's noon i mean yeah. it's crazy and that's been the calls for the past six months and it's not just 1031s from private individuals it's every PE shop and hedge fund wanting to get into storage, which is great in one hand because it adds this, this stamp of approval to the storage business. What we've thought and been doing for decades says, you know what, Wall Street and everyone else is understanding this and proves it and gets it now. But the other side is there's so much attention now that, Deals are going for crazy prices and a little bit of unsustainable acquisition and growth pattern I'm seeing. And I'll be curious to see what happens next year. I mean, we've got a plethora of issues coming next year, but (laughs) I think, you know, from where we are today, transitioning to next year, it'll be really interesting to see how things shake out.
0: Yeah, I agree. Before we get too deep into this and go into the good, the bad, the ugly, and what you're seeing, everything, why don't you give people a little the those that haven't listened to your other podcast, if you haven't, you need to go back and listen to it, especially where we sit now. That's gonna be really, really interesting to, to go back and listen <laughs> yeah. to. So
2: let's see if my crystal ball was any good six months yes. ago, you know. <laughs> well,
0: once Blackstone got in, we're like, oop this is changing. And uh, we it are. did. So, uh, yeah. you know, why don't, give us a little a bit about you, your background for those that don't know.
2: Yeah. So for those of you who have never heard of me before, never seen me on AJ's podcast or anything like that, uh, my name is John Lindsay, co-founder and president of Lindsay Self Storage Group. My family's been in the storage business since 1969. Uh, we now help people buy, build, sell, storage facilities all over the U.S., Europe, and Asia. Um, Been on multiple state boards, run different associations, gotten bills passed, sat on the national board, um, spoken all over the world from Hong Kong, Shanghai, uh, Paris, London, Berlin, the U.S., every major trade show and conference you can think of. Um, Storage is the name of the game, and that's all we do, and I absolutely love it, and I'm psyched to be back here with you guys today
0: and you're also too you didn't mention but you're an owner operator so you manage Uh, we are on top
2: of yeah (laughs) yeah we've we've built stores we own stores and actually i think the highlight of of all that i've done is how aj and i met we're you know both co-founders of store local Mm -hmm. the largest self-storage cooperative in the world yep and we also had some very exciting news recently so it's um it's been an awesome year across the board but uh, I'm just thankful we met a couple of years ago, AJ.
0: Yeah, me too. It's yeah, been no <laughs> it's been a crazy journey and it's interesting um, you know coming being in this industry before all this craze really started to take hold and seeing over the last you know really 15 but 20 years what has happened um, because there, I, there's not there's not a person I think that you could have gone back to when we started that would have thought
2: storage would have ended up like this um and no, not mean, so quick 20, no in 2012 i remember listing double digit cap rate deals and not being able to sell them yeah i mean the thought of that now hurts my heart and soul more than i care to admit i mean you know now i'm like oh a six cap we should definitely take a look at this you know versus <laughs> yeah. back then i was like here's an 11 cap no one wants it it is baffling that in such a short span of time that is how much the market is compressed, and yes, debt shifted, you know, and this and that. But like, we're in a totally different ball game than we were, you know, immediately post yeah. the world financial crisis. I mean, and, it and is, even it before is that, a,
0: when markets were going, you know, roaring, yeah. and real estate was the name of the game. I sat down with a uh, uh, lady to purchase her facility. She wanted a ten cap, and we laughed.
2: Yeah, right. Like, exactly. I mean, single digit. You are. Like- yeah, the single-digit Class A cap rates was like, whoa, that's a big deal in 07. Yes. And then, you know, after the world financial crisis took a couple of years and people said, wait a minute, storage did really well from 08 to 11. We should take a look at this again. And it just kind of chugged along, chugged along. And then past year and a half has just been hockey stick growth. It, it's it's insane that the way stuff's getting built, where it's getting built, how quickly the number of new entrants. And, and again, it, it's it's a double-edged sword because it's awesome that we're getting this validation stamp mm-hmm. and a lot of this new tech and product and infrastructure is certainly needed and welcomed. The other side though, and, and we've seen there are certain markets that are extremely overbuilt, you yes. know, oversaturation issues, people building without getting feasibility studies or mm-hmm. listening to brokers or other experts in the field. And it's just, we're gonna create our own downfall in some capacity, it's bound to happen. We can't ride this wave forever. Um, And I think, you know, as as we've talked about a number of times, AJ, with the new looming tax issue going in next year, I think that'll be the first step in flicking that domino chain to seeing kind of what the other side of this wave looks like in the storage business.
0: 100%. Couldn't agree more. It's funny because when, you know, like doing this podcast, writing the book and everything, it's like we want to educate people getting into this business um, because – you know, there was really no good information out there on storage because nobody did it. So it was just like this weird side thing and nobody cared. So there was no audience to even speak to. And then over the last, you know, five years that has changed. And the amount of people that are newbies that are getting into the storage industry has skyrocketed, which Mm -hmm. it's like I support. And I want to also be here to inform, to make sure these people don't make bad mistakes because we see a lot of these people are doing really dumb stuff. I mean, oh, it's yeah. shocking what we're seeing out there right now that you would have never seen five, six years ago. It just wouldn't have happened.
2: And, uh, well, and I'm so happy that you started this AJ because it has been such a great path and watching you educate and provide a platform to new people in the market. And hell, every time I listen to the podcast, I pick up something new. I mean, this is such an open network and community has so many good people that want to get back and be a part and, and share trade best practices and things like that. And avoid pitfalls because in my opinion, raising tide raises all ships. So let's, let's keep the information flowing and let's keep it going.
0: Yep. The biggest danger to self storage is self storage. And really when you talk about self storage, it's just uninformed people that are doing bad things. One bad facility can ruin an entire market. It can ruin the game for everybody. It can poison the water
2: speaking of i got a great example i'm mean, in south carolina back in 20 i think it was 2014 2015 we were going to meet with governor haley to redo our lien laws and things like that and the only reason we kind of got on the hot seat in the first place was a facility owner in south carolina who was not part of the association wrongfully auctioned off a congressman's goods oh. and so it just like it Boom! Top of the list, you know, yeah. right in the front of everything, and we were just like, "Oh my god!" Like this is so easily avoidable. Just yeah. join your local state association. Yeah. We've got all the tools you need yeah. to what you, to how to succeed yeah. and how to avoid these pitfalls. It took us two years of, of really of battling the newspapers, I mean, all the periodicals. All I mean, going through that whole process probably cost us eighty hundred grand. I mean, it was it was expensive and it was time consuming. For one one real mistake that yeah. kind of put us under the spotlight. And again, I think if people, you know, we're, we're so open to sharing information. People would just ask, like, hey, yeah. how do I do this? There's so many resources for that. And so I'm glad that you're continuing to shine a light on those best practices and how people can be informed of this industry. Because it is what's going to keep us, you know, not only alive, but thriving for the next 20, 30, 40 40- years
0: yeah 100% and you know self storage has a problem that like you know it's interesting cuz right now even on the internet you go out and see and you got people just saying this is the easiest thing i've ever done i've made so much money it cash flows and then you find out they've been in storage for 4 years and you're like well of course this has been the best 4 years this industry's ever seen it's not even comparable like this 4 years has outperformed Every single year, beyond it's just like, it's like you just needed to own something and you did good, right? Yeah. That's not normal. And yeah. these people that are out now and they're coaches and they're out telling everybody how to do it, everything else like that that we're seeing. And you're going, these people don't even know. They've never been through a downturn. They've never mm-hmm. been through a credit mm-hmm. cycle. And COVID was not a downturn. COVID was the opposite of a downturn. Yeah. It was a downturn. Yeah. It was an injection of steroids into the U.S. economy. Like Correct. We I didn't think, have to do anything talked, and people were getting paid.
2: Times of uncertainty bode so well for storage. I, I don't care what anyone says. Bad economy is it's good for self-storage because it's twofold. One, People who are really negatively impacted by it, you know, they, they rent instead of own. They got to downsize their house or sell their second house or sell their the other car. Or, you know, there's always all these reasons they need to put their stuff in storage. And if you happen to be doing fine during, let's say COVID, you remodel the kitchen. So you got to put the stuff in storage. Your kids move home from college. You need that extra room, put it in storage. You buy a second home. You know I mean? All yep. these drivers in times of any uncertainty is good for storage. And, and I think what, what people forget, though, as you really mentioned, AJ, is it's easy to do well in a really good economy. And I think I've had this conversation with people like us that have been around a long time. Like, I remember what it was like opening up a store in April of 2008, a new build. It was terrifying. <laughs> it was like the world <laughs> has gone to hell in a handbasket. Like, the it's collapsing for eyes. We have no idea what's going on. And people don't know what that is these days who are new to the industry. And and I pray we never get back to that situation, but Mm -hmm. history likes to repeat itself. America is long overdue for a correction, especially in the real estate sector. It's bound to come at some point. And I think I just want people to be cognizant and be smart about the decisions they're making, whether it's building or their operational expenses, the CapEx, they're reinvesting, you know, just position themselves appropriately so that if stuff does hit the fan, you know, storage is supposed to be your hedge against the world. This is generational wealth building tool. They need to be in a good position to to handle
0: that. 100%. We owned assets through 08. We bought assets through 08. We bought a lot of assets that went under. Um, Mm -hmm. None of ours did. And when I look back on it, it was all probably avoidable for those people that went under. And it's very clear in markets, market saturation. And even after those three, four years, like, they you know, the storage facilities and good operators that were full, they did good, right? And and we're saying good. And when we say good, all we're doing is comparing it to the housing market or the, that's right. good. When we say good, we don't mean today. And a lot of people confuse <laughs> that, right? They're like, yep. oh, I mean, storage did great during COVID, just like it did during 08. No, no, no. Those yep. two things are not the same. And right. also people forget We've basically doubled the storage market since then. Remember how (laughs) me and John were just talking about how when we got started in the industry and everything, there was no massive boom. The people that were building were operators that had been in it for a long time. They knew what they were doing because banks would give them money and they could operate it. Before then, if you couldn't operate it and you hadn't done it, the bank didn't want to give you money. But also then what were you going to do if you owned it? How were you going to run it? They didn't yep. even know how there wasn't third party management like we have it today. That didn't even nope. exist. So when the correction came in 08, self-storage hadn't been overbuilt, right? It it, it was nope. still undersupplied for the entire nation. It, that was right after a build it and they will come phase as in, you know, in before, prior 2008, if you built a storage facility, people just showed
2: up. You didn't need yep. to do anything. Well, it, it's so funny you say that, AJ, because my dad and I, or my brother and I talked to my dad about this all the time. Yeah, he started building stores in 1969 in Dallas. So, 70s, 80s, 90s. I was like, Dad, so like when you'd go to, he's like, Oh, yeah. He goes, I knew what had good drive-bys and what was in a good location. And I would just go to the bank and I'd tell them this is how much I needed and they'd give it to me. And I'm just like, because there's no saturation, just no feasibility studies. They didn't ask no. for financials. He's like, No, no. they just, they just give me the money to go. And I'm just like, Whoa. Baffled. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Just like, it makes my head spin because today I just can't imagine. Like first thing I do is check. Well, okay. What are yeah. the competitors? What's the saturation? Oh, like here? Yeah. like, what new, any new development coming in? Yeah. You're but terrified of it, overbuilt back then. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't matter. matter. It didn't matter that it was, it was, Hey, you build it on the populous corner. You're the only site within five miles, probably. Yeah. Exactly. It'll fill up. Exactly. You know? It'll fill and, up. and And that was before we had like 10 storage deal increases in one year. So, (laughs) yeah. So,
0: and that was one of the things that I talked to a lot of people about. And I was actually on a panel and they're like, well, if we had a credit crisis, it's easy. Just look back at 08. And I'm like, you think the storage industry is today? Like it was in 08. No, if we had an 08 today, the storage industry would not perform anything like it did back then. You're talking about markets in the country that are 15 to 30 square feet per capita. In 08, you had two, three in most markets. Like it was like nothing. So even then when people started moving and turning, they could only go to a few locations. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. that. And how we operate storage is totally different today. Like we, you know, what the facilities look like. Most of the customers today are thinking of prime build they're thinking A class assets and they have options. And so we have to compete. It's um it's a really interesting phase we're in in storage, right? Because most of the people have no experience of that past. They don't understand mm-hmm. it, but yet and the past is so different, but they think it'll repeat itself. And for me, that's just the biggest industry uh, problem in the industry is that yeah. there's just this assumption and there's this lack of knowing or being able to operate, um, where they think it's like it used to be. Um, but I mean, well, that's, they did, I think you hit,
2: you, you hit the nail on the head and I, I literally had this phone call this morning. Right. I had a, a client that I've spent the business for a long time. We were talking and he said, John, the biggest problem today is that people are building what will sell, not what will work. Yes. And it's what we're seeing all over the U S these, and, and I have no problem with developers, not throwing them under the bus, but uh-huh. it tends to happen. They say, oh, uh-huh. I can build this, sell this 100,000 square foot side at co to whomever large operator, make my 2X and be on my way and go do it again. And I, I don't belittle them for, for you know, yeah. doing yeah. that, you know, part of the process, what but they do. we are, we are creating our own demise in doing so. Yes. And people who are in the business, I'm just shaking their head saying, please, please stop doing this yes. to my market, you know, and. It's scary because again they're not officially building them they're not building them with you know thought in mind as no. to you know, where or what corner and I even have I have a client that um, he had a site that was you know for, for a very long time in the 70 to 80 percent occupancy range had a developer wanting to build next door and he's like, look here's my here's my uh, my management summary we, we've been like this forever developers like don't care building it anyways and it's like but why? Like there's no demands, like I'm overfilling yeah. with business and he knew that it would sell, so he built it. Yeah. And it's it's tough to combat that because there's just so much liquidity in the market.
0: Well, and this is one of the problems that we have in self-storage, is once again it's our own demise because the success of it. So if you're a developer, mm-hmm. you have a few options. What are you gonna build? Okay. I'm not gonna build office buildings, I'm not building retail, I'm not building hotels. Right? Yep. So, housing market yep. got burned last time, so I'm not going all in on that anymore. So, what do we do? We just look for the next hottest thing. And self-storage is really hot right now. Banks want to lend on it. Everybody wants to do it. Yep. So, you're right. So, they know that their exit strategy is there. It's there till yep. it's not, though. That's the problem. Correct. Because that market shifts be those people, fast.
2: Yep. Those people who are, you know, I think we're planning on COing this summer or this fall and unloading it who get caught with it next year 12 18 36 months can be a very interesting you know differential time and I'm not saying that there won't be successful projects there's always going to be good oh, yeah, pockets yeah. good of projects. Course. but the people i think who are looking intentionally for the pump and dump strategy yeah. with a lot of these builds might get caught with a little more debt on their hands than they like and and one, one of my favorite things i was told years ago by, by my dad's pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered and 100%. it's uh and you know, storage is supposed to be, again, this is our hedge. This is yes. our, our generational wealth tool. This is your your smart money when everything else is going haywire. It shouldn't be your a 10X gamble. Nope, not yep. at all.
0: Nope. Well, and it's and, funny and, too, yeah. because like you, you just said, you brought it, and it's a perfect example of what we see and what's happening is, and they're not building to markets, right? We we don't really see that stuff, but also even you look at the industry where banks and feasibility study people, I, I have a guy that got a feasibility study, said he would fill up mm-hmm. in five months, 90% occupancy. Well,
2: That's what 10,000 square feet.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding, 120,000 square feet. They said he would fill up in five months.
2: I got to know this feasibility guy because I've never seen that in my life. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> like, just ridiculous.
0: dude, I, I, and I told him, I was like, if you plan on that, you're, you're a fool. Yeah. Like, yeah, that is, if it happens, congratulations party, but to plan yeah, you have on the coolest that
2: facility of all time. No. Yeah. That's I ridiculous mean, yeah, no. right now. And we're seeing even our like conservative, you know, multi-decade developers who used to build a. You know 24 to 36 months they're now like john 48 months like they're just they're really staggering it out because some of these markets you just don't know and thankfully there are a lot of booming markets through COVID. we saw a lot of people exit yeah. california exit yes. new york moved to the bible belt sunshine states idaho yep. reno um i mean just all these markets caught all of that traffic growth which is great because now it's created New demand in yeah. those markets, and so I think there there is continued opportunity. 100%, obviously, obviously, but we're I think developing. It's, so it, it, exactly, I, yeah.
0: If you're thinking, oh wow, age is anti-development, you obviously haven't no. seen what we're developing because we are <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. not anti-development. <laughs> good projects going yeah. 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 on. So we definitely yeah. don't expect five month fill rate, and we don't expect to co or sell it. So <laughs>
2: no, well, and, and that's the difference is that you're building to operate, yes. and and I think that's the thing that. I, I just say, hey, operators or developers, if you're building to sell, if you don't get that price that you need or want at sale due to a shifting market, would you be okay holding and owning this for a little bit of time? And if the answer is no, then maybe you shouldn't be building it. Especially and I think right now.
0: And why is correct. it so important and, right now, too? Because we're at the highest prices ever. I mean, our facilities, John, that we're building – to say I'm shocked by the prices that are coming back is an understatement. I mean, we're sitting here going. Yeah. Five years ago, I was building at like all in, all in, nice high end facility, thirty six bucks a square foot, all in. Huh. Today, one hundred and twenty. Like the yeah. the quality that I built, like it would cost me one hundred and twenty <laughs> bucks a square foot to build that same thing five years later. Now, which is le- silly. Which is silly because let me ask you this: in that same market did rates rise five times? And the answer is no, they didn't.
2: Nope. Nope. And I think that's the difference though, is that before this huge spike and before, you know, when it was cheap to build storage, owners could kind of build on top of each other or or miss the mark a little bit or, you know, whatever, because there was so much room for income to be made in these markets. Like, you know, they're like, oh, I made 10% instead of 14. You know, whatever. whatever. Yeah. But now that it's so hyper-competitive and so calculated and there's so much data surrounding it, that margin for error is now 100 basis points maybe. Yes. At best. I mean, it's, it's, it's tight. It's and tight. so I tell people all the time, spend the money up front, get the feasibility studies, work with professionals, whether it's a storage coach, a broker, a partner with a better developer who's done this two dozen times, like, find someone who's really good at doing this and can help you. And I tell you, I'd rather make a $10,000 mistake than a $10 million
0: mistake. 100%. The, you know, I've been having so many conversations about this lately with so many people because the, the game's changed and it's never going back. You're not putting right. the genie back in the bottle yet. There's so few people that have realized that the game's changed. So they're using an outdated playbook and, uh, Um, this is, you know, this is scary. This is, you know, Mm -hmm. dangerous. And and two... You know, if you guys are listening, you're like, "Oh, you're kind of being naysayers." There is no bigger cheerleaders of this industry than me and John Lindsay. Where, like, I'm here. I'm I have got 40 years of runway
2: in this. Let's <laughs> yeah, do it. Like,
0: we're never leaving this industry, right? We are yeah. going to be those two old guys sitting together in the conference here in, you know, 40 years, being like, "Oh, do you remember back in the day when we did that podcast?" Man, things are crazy now, right? So, the point is, though, that we're trying to do is, lots of times, even I worry that I'm too much of a hype man that i'm too much of a this is awesome which in reality what's happening is we need to do the same things that other asset classes do you would never people would never build apartment buildings the way they build storage they would it would never happen and i think yeah. a few reasons is the expectations of continued performance as in this performance is going to continue which there's no way the last 5 years will continue for the next it's not going to happen and two that low barrier of entry compared to apartment uh, apartments, it's lesser capital. I think the banks require less. They're okay with less. You can get investors at a less dollar amount, so you're not de- uh, dealing with huge, sophisticated investors. But you look what you go through to put a large apartment building out of the ground. They mm-hmm. go through. It's crazy. Then you ask somebody, yeah. we, we have a storage facility that was built uh, down the road from one of ours and we went and asked him, we're like, oh, you know, oh, this is awesome, he was in, the owner was in there working and uh, it was a large, 85,000 square foot facility, and so why'd you pick this location? Oh, my dad owned
2: the land <laughs> Oh, so would just do you- never do that for a multi-project, like, well, yeah, it would never it, happen, you know, multi-project, multi-projects cost you three, four hundred million I mean, it's, you know, good luck sleeping at night signing on 270 million in debt, you know, what I mean Versus the storage project, you know, three to five million. Yeah. A lot of people, like you said, have access to capital, which is again one of the blessings of this industry. Hundred percent. A lot of people have access to to get into this space, but it also is kind of one of the Curses. things that could lead to our demise. Yeah, because yeah, it's easy to get into the space. Yes. But I, I, again, I think by continuing to promote you know the issues that we see coming through the industry trials and tribulations that we've faced over the past two, three decades, and our families have as well is just kind of going to continue to perpetuate hopefully throughout the industry yeah. and say, Hey, look, we want everyone to be here. We, we want, want everyone, everyone to, play to be in the successful, sandbox, but let's just make sure we're doing it in the yeah. right capacity. That's all. Let's, know, from the that's the past. All let's not
0: this. be the next housing market, right? Let's not be the, the housing market where it's like, everybody knew this was a freaking hot to pay, to uh, potato. Yeah. Why didn't somebody say something? Why didn't people just get in? And the reason was they were making too much freaking money. And in Mm -hmm. storage right now, they're making too much freaking money. And this is the blessing and a curse like we've talked about. But when you have cap rate compressions like we have seen because of the flood of people that went in, this changes the reasons why people get into it. So when me and John were getting into it, we never in our wildest dreams thought, oh, I'll build the stabilizer and sell it for a four cap. Like, <laughs> what? But that's what we're doing today. It's
2: not yeah. I mean, I'm...
0: But because we, of that, you just... built it differently. You built it to Correct. operate it. We, like, even like, it's funny because we were talking about that. It, like, uh, this was a long time ago. This was years ago when me and you were talking about this. Like, what is the game of self-storage? It's a cash flow game. You yep. buy and you operate off cash flow and increasing revenues. Yep. Um, And that should be the only game. And then as cap rates move up and down, awesome. Once again, cherry on top. But it should only be that focus on that, right? And that was the problem with housing. They stopped thinking about cash flow or monitoring by it. It just, you made so much money just by doing it that everybody mm-hmm. did it and storage, one of its curses is a success, just like housing. We have assumptions, yep. housing can never go down. Storage does great through downturns. Well, I ask people like, okay, that was d- during a housing, housing market crisis, which we're not gonna have again. Demand for housing is so far out of whack, but yet pricing now is out of control. What happens if interest yep. rates go up and the housing market doesn't collapse, but it stagnates as in yep. nobody moves anymore? Migration patterns cease. They stop. The great migrations out of New York and California that are pumping tens of millions of people into new locations. And overnight, what happens to the occupancy in markets that have 18 square feet per capita that were growing at 3% a year and they go to either dead or negative growth? Because if you look how those markets, you know, they fluctuate and everything, nobody's thinking about that when they're building. Nobody's having this conversation. Right? Nobody's talking about it when I ask them. Like, what happens? When, Because I don't know about you, but I view there's two types of occupancy, right? We have our stabilized, our core occupancy. These are the customers that really, they hang around for 12 months, right? So we have this 12-month to more like a 16-month period of time. Then we have a few of those customers that stay. They stay for like three years, right? They just like never leave. (laughs) Um, But then you have a huge portion that are transitory. And I, I think of this as transitory occupancy. Right now, today, I've never seen transitory occupancy like it is Everybody needs a space. I need it for three months. I can't find one. Right. And the churn in our storage facilities, when somebody's gone, it fills up right immediately. Yep. And that's how storage makes a lot of money. Right. Like me and John make a lot of money yep. off this churn. Well, in 08, that churn ended, it stopped. Yep. Right. But our stabilized facility, we had that core occupancy, so it was okay. Right. And then you needed people that needed place. And when they came in, they stayed for a long time. I'm downsizing my house because I can't afford it. Right. So I'm putting it in there. I'm moving into an apartment and I'm keeping that storage for three years. Right. But if interest rates rise and there's a stagnation. That changes what happens with that occupancy. And I don't know about you, but that's the danger I see is this housing market tear. It can't go on. Inflation, interest rates have to rise. And at housing prices today, a rise in interest rates makes whatever, 40. I was looking at some numbers and one point rise in interest rate today cuts out basically 40% of the housing market, meaning 40% of all the people that need to buy a home, one point interest rate makes it unaffordable for them to buy at today's prices
2: interesting so aj let, let me ask you this then so you take you take this crazy housing market we've got the looming interest rates over here you know we've seen record transactions done in the past year whether it's public storage buying uh easy up in dc yesterday the three-quarter billion dollar deal with merritt hill and prime group they got announced mm-hmm. which was awesome way to go Liz. Yeah. big yes. fan yes. of you and what yes. you do that was, nice that was huge congratulations um but it's just it's nutty. We've just yeah. never seen deals yeah. like this. So the music's gotta stop. Mm-hmm. We've got ten thirty ones possibly being eliminated next year, cap cap gains going in. My personal opinion is that ten thirty ones being pulled would certainly pull the plug on transactions for the next three years. Yeah. Period. Like that, period. that's I think it's like thirty percent of yeah. transactions in the US are ten thirty one. Yes. That would that would kill it. Yeah. To me, that's the scariest thing right there. Yeah. Is that all of a sudden the music stops in the real estate business because no one can transact people who yep. want to sell even they for can't. retirement they, or they, they, they can't won't. they can't get out nope. they can't get out and and that is what is my biggest concern and i'm yes. curious to hear yours sounds like you're you're pegged on the housing market but yep. I, so I, I just want to make sure well i
0: think about uh, these are the two sides of this and you couldn't be more right the um capital gains tax and the 1031 uh, uh exchange like people don't understand how that will affect our real estate market. The reason why that's not the number one concern for me is because I'm not a seller. So I'm one of those guys yeah. where it'll come up and it won't, won't matter. But what will happen is, and I mean, Connor, I've been talking about this. I'm like, at the first of this year, we were all sitting down and I'm like, guys, this year's going to be a good year for acquisitions, but we have to know. And I literally said, I was like next year or the year after we may be only a development company as in there's nothing to buy. Because yeah. if you look at today's prices, you get rid of 1031 exchange and you move capital gains tax up, like anything close to anything, doesn't even matter. It could be half of what they're talking about. And you take what people will make. So first of all, cap rates will rise because there's mm-hmm. less buyers, right? And then you look at what they get out of it, what they have to pay in taxes, and they can't move it over. It makes It's hard enough to convince people to sell and sell storage. Because if I'm an owner and I'm making $150,000 a year, then I could sell my facility after debt, after taxes, after everything else. I'm going to make a million dollars. I can't replace that income. So then I'm not selling. It doesn't make sense because they're like, I don't need the million dollars. So why would I? It doesn't make sense to. Um, So I view as for us as a company growing. So actually growing through acquisitions, which that's, that's probably 80%. I'd say probably 80% of what we do is acquisitions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then probably yeah. 20% design. is development by design. Yeah. yeah we want to, development to yeah. be the smaller part. It, although, if you looked at the assets and things like that, like so, Connor <coughs> heads up our developments and he's heading up right now. We have three developments. One's a, a office, Hutter, and what is that? 20,000 square yeah, feet. Approximately 20,000 yep. square feet. Five yeah, feet acres. Conversion. Then two developments that are each like two hundred thousand square feet a piece. Um and we will get more, but he'll be working on those those three projects, he'll be working on for what, two, three years, right? Then we add three more next year. So it kind of stacks, right? But then our acquisition department, that's where I'm concerned, right? Like Connor's gonna be busy for years. And if that ends, he's gonna get even more busy because that's how we'll okay. be in the game. Um, but our, we could see our acquisition department dry up. So as far as us growing as a business, I'm concerned, as far as our profitability and our occupancy levels and how our assets current today will perform, that's okay. the housing market and interest rates. So these are my nope, two concerns today.
2: Well, been- and I think you nailed AJ, is that like, even if you guys aren't growing, it's it's kind of like what, if the music stops, you know, transactional market, that's title companies, insurance companies are losing billions of dollars oh, yes. of business because there's no one trading deals, which again, <laughs> you know, may not directly impacts, but it impacts the market at large. Yeah. That commercial transactional market is so unbelievably massive, not just in storage, but this all of a sudden affects all the hotels and all yeah. the retail and everything. So. It draws in a major concern because we are pumping the brakes on one of the largest institutional products in the United States. So that just scares me to my core that that could happen. Well, the
0: commercial real estate market compared to the rest, if you look at the total, uh, the percentage of the debt market, so the bond market that exists in commercial real estate, it's ginormous in the United States. Oh, it's huge. It's ridiculous ridiculous and those change in laws are going that's what it's going to slam because those are all the million plus right but two it will also slam all those people leaving from california that have million plus dollar homes because right now in california if you own a shack it's a million dollars and one of the great hacks the world's ever seen is people lived in california for 20 years and bought a house at uh 300 and now it's worth you know two million they sell it and they're moving to places like nashville they're moving to places like tennessee idaho arizona florida no income and they're taking that capital with them we were looking at in idaho alone what percentage of outflow capital it is and this is really interesting and people should look at this so we were looking and i was trying to analyze pensions So the big hack we've seen in Idaho is doctor or not doctors? Excuse me, teachers, um, police, fire. They have pensions at one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year down where they live in L.A. Well, when they move here, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars is three times our average income. They're moving into the high ends of the uh, in the city. So they went from living in poverty in L.A to living like a king here. So what that means is Californians' pensions are being drained to other places. Mm-hmm. Their capital is being drained to other places in asset transaction. But if they can't sell their house, if they're gonna get taxed on their $2 million house, they're gonna go rethink it completely. All of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe this isn't a good idea because I just lost such a huge portion. So that could even affect migration patterns. But what were you gonna say yeah. on that, Connor?
1: No no, I just I had there were some other thoughts I was, I was yeah. gonna throw in on some of that but No, but I, I totally agree. And then two, you look at um, the the situation where you have this this increase in housing prices because of that influx and because of that influx of capital and everything here in these places like Idaho you're going to get to a point where it even doesn't make sense from a living point of standard Where yes. I mean we're getting yeah. close to that we're getting
0: close to California at this point
1: where mm-hmm. homes mm-hmm. that are very similar are almost about the same where yeah you, like you know the living standards might be a little little better obviously we don't yeah. have like the homeless crisis or any yeah. other garbage yeah. going on here beautiful place um, yeah, but, yeah yeah exactly but it, that's gonna that's gonna be a huge uh, issue for people as well because it's just not going to make sense for them to to move. And again, you know, they're getting hit coming and going. Yes, you know, exactly. Yeah. So,
2: so and, and then it's, it's the same issue in AJ. We've talked about this a number of times, not only housing going up, we're seeing gas going up, we're seeing yeah. our wood, our steel, our products, our consumer yes. goods. We're all going to get priced out one way or another, the way yeah. this market's going. And it's, it's been very sneaky this year and very steadily climbing, but I'm, I'm feeling the heat, not just when I order steel, but when, like, so when I fill up my car and I get my Starbucks, yeah. you know, when I'm on the road, I I pay attention to yeah. price when I travel and it is getting ridiculous. It's
0: astronomical. I mean, dude, we're building a house, you know, because I'm really good at timing apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I, I with all your free I, time agents. I'm like I got I'm really good at timing and business, but personally apparently I'm not that great.
1: But uh um Is that
2: we, was that Connor's fourth project? Is that <laughs> yeah, that's Connor's that. fourth project, that's right. And uh
1: it was the two hundred thousand square feet project yeah that's right that's one of the <laughs> yeah. 200 i wish <laughs> but, yeah.
0: but like it's like we, everything that we outlined that we bought that we got bids for and it's been two years because of some government stuff but the point is everything has gone up over 30 percent. there is not one thing that we are not now coming out of pocket for nothing like it, it doesn't even matter everything has gone up so high and the builders all have in their contracts a little thing people are like well you should have gotten a hard bid i did but the builders have a a a ratio within all their contracts that says if prices exceed a certain variance meaning it's out of control we're not on the hook that's everything and so i mean we're talking we're looking the increase is the equivalent of two hundred thousand dollars
2: yeah which is nuts that is and, and here's the thing like that 30% increase, AJ, slaughters most Americans. Uh-huh. Like that, that is detrimental to the average American. They can no longer in live in the home. Any, no. And, and because in buying a home, in building a home, their job, like that, that, that is down to the dollar. And I think that we're going to really look back after whether you couple, COVID, this liquidity event, rates where they're at everything in a couple of years and say, oh my, we have put ourselves way up a creek without a paddle on this one.
0: You know, and you know, I the reason I actually love this topic is because when I go into projects, when I go things, I'm not really concerned about what will work. I've already done that, right? That's the easy part. So everybody that's listening to this podcast, you're listening to this podcast because you already know self-storage works. What's more important is what doesn't work or what are going to be the downfalls <laughs> because that's what hurts you, right? So if I can avoid those things, I can win. Like I said, we're doing huge development projects, um, but our, we've changed. And I don't know about you, but John, you're probably seeing a lot of the market and especially big operators, they're changing the way they build, what they build, how they build. Right. It, it, it's We have to adapt and we're adapting in a, in a market that is just in our industry has changed so rapidly.
2: Well, AJ, I think you nailed it. And it's it's people paying attention to the details because that is what will make or break you in today's market. Again, we're talking about 100, 150 base points, maybe of, of margin of error in these deals. And whether it's, again, getting the right feasibility study, double checking your property taxes when you're buying or building, how that's going to shift on you, especially in states like Texas, yes. Florida, where we've seen some massive increases. It is just absolutely quintessential to go through these processes with the right people to protect yourself and the great longevity investment that you're making because again my family's been this for 50 years we will continue to be in it for another 50 years yep i want i want everyone to be successful this is the coolest industry of all time everyone is so open welcoming I guarantee you, you call your nearest competitor, they're going to want to grab a coffee or a beer with you, and they'll tell you yes. everything they've ever learned in storage. I, I, I was with because our we,
0: competitor Friday night. It was a, pardon, me and Connor sitting with them, talking yeah. shop, everything else like that. He's, he's a direct yeah. competitor to us. That's how yeah. the self-storage industry yeah. is. Hey, I was talking right. to somebody. We were having one of our inner circle. We were having our Zoom calls. We were talking, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, people in the inner circle was like, I can't believe how open and like, this industry, like everybody just tells you everything. They're like, most industries are cutthroat. They're ruthless. But in this industry, yeah. you go talk to somebody and they're like, here's everything that's going on. Right. And yeah. we, I, I love that about the self-storage industry. Like it's why I love me because I came from a super cutthroat industry well, where I mean, it was like somebody yeah. had to die for me to win.
1: Yeah. And I would say if you, if you find somebody in the storage industry, that's not open like that, like run because run. they don't know what they're doing. Yes. Like that, that would be an indicator <laughs> of like, yeah. you have, cause like you said, John, I mean, yeah. that rising tide lifts all ships. I mean, if you're trying to be like cutthroat in the industry, yeah. one, you're not going to last long. And then two, that, to me, that would tell me that you didn't really actually understand the business of. Being an owner and operator, yeah, or a, we, a good one at least. No, and, you're, it, <laughs> and you guys are absolutely right because
2: I, you know, even when I got in, having you know, grown up around development and management and stuff, you know, I first started my brokerage company. I called every major operator in the United States, and I was baffled. I would get the president of this shop they had five hundred yeah. stores, and the CEO of that shop they had four hundred, and just like a wealth of knowledge and information. And it's just so amazing that we live in a time where people are still willing to be open and share that information. Yes because this industry has given us so much, a lot of us want to give back and I want to keep this thing chugging along. And I think, you know, moving into the last four or five months this year, I tell everyone, take advantage of of rates and good deals. If you can find them, lock it in, you know, make hay while sun shining, but be cautious because we do have this looming change of the guard and it's a moving target. We still don't know what's going to happen next year. Um, especially with the tax situation. So, uh, Make good decisions, enjoy the year, make the most of it, but be weary of what is to come because this market will shift. It will not last forever. And And this is a
0: totally different conversation that we were having. I mean, like when me and John first met and everything, it was like, oh man, times are freaking good. Buy everything you can, build everything you can. Like it was very clear. Self-storage was only going to go straight up. Um, that's yep. not how the self-storage industry is talking today. It's it, For yep. those that have been in it for a long time, for those that are operators, they know what they do, that conversation has changed. It is Correct. not like it used to be. It is, we are dialing back. We're taking chips off the table. We are too. Yep. That's a big thing you hear now in storage operators. We're taking chips off the table, right? Yep. And uh, um, you hear, it's just, they're way more selective. Um, and so- that's a, just like John said. Everybody, you need to be hyper focused, which is funny because really you just need to be act like you're building another ginormous commercial asset, like you should. We're just saying you need to do what, the normal <laughs> stuff that you should, people. Like that's it, yep. and don't yep. want it so bad that you make mistakes. And it, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Just because you can build doesn't bang mean you bang. should
2: build. Like I, uh, that's a life motto. Period. Just because you can 100%. doesn't mean you should. Ata. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent oh man that's so spot on
0: well dude this has been an amazing podcast i don't want to take up your whole morning here but you know you're out selling deals or buying deals operating where can people find you where can people get a hold of you
2: uh lindsayselfstoragegroup.com you can check out all of our listings projects uh johnclindsay.com you can buy my book you can also find it on amazon dude um, we've been it, so excited yeah. stop everything
0: <laughs> oh my gosh literally this is why i'm like john you got to come on to talk this to you why book. We're doing this is why I mean, we're doing this and i've been so excited talking about all this stuff because i just love talking okay. shop with you
2: okay we'll have up. another podcast then aj exactly <laughs> we can we can yeah. so, so I'll, I'll give you the real quick snippet so uh, the Sexy Side of Self Storage, An Insider's Guide to a Necessary Commodity, is available on Amazon. AJ was kind enough to write the forward on the book. He awesome is, he's book. featured in every book, as he should be from now on. Um, but no, it goes over the trials and tribulations that I've seen in the past couple of decades working in the storage industry. Whether you're a buyer, seller, broker, say, hey, this is where we've won. This is where we've messed up. This is how we fix it moving forward. And we want you to know all of this so you can avoid it in the future. Um, we've talked about projects in Europe, Asia, the US, bought, built, sold, you name it, it's in there. So uh, grab a copy on Amazon. If you like it, reach out. If you have questions, give me a holler. Like I said, john at com is my email. You can also call, text or WhatsApp me one uh,
0: and the link uh to the amazon stuff will be in the bio. We'll have it there so you can go directly there to get it to everybody. It's an awesome cool. book. You got to read it. Um once again as you can tell, you know, John's just a wealth of knowledge um from a, someone that's, you know, not just been in the industry for a long time but will continue to be. So, yeah. thanks man. I pr- appreciate you, brother, thanks, appreciate right, Good Good everything you guys. you're doing. Good you seeing will. you too. Absolutely. We'll talk soon.
2: Cheers, guys.